0: Hi everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Learning Out Loud. Today we're joined by Chad Rassen, a 2005 UVA McIntyre School of Commerce graduate, and a 2011 UChicago Booth School of Business graduate. We met Chad at a UVA entrepreneurship event in the spring, and we were interested in learning more about his healthware brand, Karen Wear. Karen Wear bridges function and fashion to provide effective yet good-looking healthware to patients and healthcare professionals. Chad walks us through how he started the business, how he uses network to get it off the ground, and the importance of helping and caring for others inside and out of your company. Enjoy! Learning Out Loud is excited to announce that we're forming a partnership with College Contact. College Contact is a technology platform that connects high school students with college undergraduates for affordable and accessible college admissions advising. In short, your student gets to meet with the current college student at their favorite university. Once you set up an initial meeting with College Contact, They'll match your high school to a college student based on your preferences. This college student will mentor and advise your high schooler through the entire process, from forming a college list to brainstorming, writing and editing college essays to applying for scholarships and financial aid. The best part, it's extremely affordable with hourly sessions starting at just $60 an hour with our 20% off discount code, learning out loud. All right. Um yeah, so so to get started, if you want to give us a, you know, 2 or 3 minute overview of how you went from UVA to Careware, everything in between, we'd love to kind of hear the, the flyover there.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um graduated from the Com School at UVA in 2005. Uh concentrated in finance and management in the Com School and then majored in Spanish as well. Um Became a strategy consultant right after undergrad, Um, kind of liked the idea of going into different companies and helping them solve different problems, uh, kind of alternating careers or uh, industries and roles every two to three months. So did strategy consulting for four years, had the opportunity to travel to Peru, work there for three months, and then worked in Cameroon for three months. Uh, and ended up actually creating a global exchange program for the firm, but kind of knew I did not wanna be a consultant long-term. And so went to business school, the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, Uh, swore I would never move back to New York and never do banking. So naturally ended up back in New York working for Goldman Sachs, (laughs) uh, doing investment banking. And then nine years ago, had loved ones diagnosed with cancer, told to wear socks over their picos in next to your heart. Common way that you get treatment into your body over an elongated period of time. Um, and so my loved ones have been told to wear socks to keep the line in place and just felt, wow, this stinks, there's gotta be something better. And so started working with nurses and doctors from Hopkins and UVA to try and redesign the sock and kind of while I was doing that, took a step back and realized whenever you go to the hospital, everything's always been focused on function and not on how it looks or how it makes you feel. And so really just wanted to build a brand in the healthcare space. And um, I guess that is how Karenware was first born.
2: Could you talk a little bit about how you went from the finance space and consulting space to healthcare? Did you have friends that were I know you said uva and johns hopkins doctors were you personally friends with them or how did you actually get involved in that space totally
1: great question um so i think leveraging the network is super important for any entrepreneur and just meeting people around you so um i think in terms of getting connected to uva and hopkins uh uva was through the comm school actually i mentioned to Nola uh, Miller that I was working on this idea and she was able to get me connected to their team. And then for Hopkins, uh, my mom's actually an anesthesiologist. um, And so she's retired and she had been at a talk one day where a Hopkins oncologist was speaking. And so she kind of went up to him and said, hey, um, my son was just talking to me about this idea. What do you think? And he gave her his cell phone number and said, please have him call me immediately. Um, and so when I ended up getting in touch with him, uh, he was very pro starting the company and doing something about it. And he was like, hey, my pick team would love to help you come up with a solution. Uh, I later learned he's actually an entrepreneur himself besides being a cancer doctor. Um, and so he had a little bit of a desire, I guess, to help promote and push others to start a company. He's now actually an investor in us. Um, and then I think it's the power of realizing that it's okay if you don't know, just make sure you get, uh, people around you that do know what they're doing. So, um, I used to get a ton of people in the room with me to design and develop our products. That has now morphed into our three-pronged approach to product development and design, where first and foremost, always working with nurses and doctors to make sure that every product we create is medically superior to everything else out there. Uh, No hospital is gonna wanna switch to our product um, unless we can kind of demonstrate how great it is. Um, and that has strategically enabled us to get proprietary IP on each and every one of our products. Um, secondly is working with the actual end users to wear the product. So I always go back to, as a kid, I got tubes in my ears three times. And I remember going in and um, getting ready for surgery and obviously being terrified that I'm getting surgery done. Um, and then being even more terrified because all my friends were um, getting their tonsils removed and they were getting ice cream diets for the next week because of that um, I still somehow had to eat broccoli and green beans immediately following um, and then <laughs> lastly was um, and most importantly was Uh, Again, my mom's an anesthesiologist, so I knew everyone operating on me. All the nurses and doctors had been to our house numerous times, and I was most terrified of them seeing my exposed backside in the hospital. Um, And they were like, look, we see this all the time, and I'm like, yeah, but you're over our house. This is weird. Hmm. And so including the seven-year-old version of me in the design and development has always been really, really important. and then finally is bringing in a fashion and design approach. So incorporating the latest trends, technologies, and designs. Uh, today, we're proud to partner with brands like Oscar de la Renta, the Notori company. Um, we actually even taught a class at Parsons School of Design, where we focus on redesigning the patient gown. Um, so all in really, really excited to just do whatever we can to try and make better products for people in and out of the hospital.
0: Awesome. Could you talk a little bit more about how you use networking in each of those three prongs? Because I know that we've talked about that you have a relationship with MLB and I'm yeah. sure there are areas that you need to talk to for the fashion piece or for the function piece. So how do you get in contact with those people and how do they become a part of the process for you?
1: Yeah, totally. Great question. I think at the end of the day, it's all about just asking anyone and everyone. So. Uh, for example, our first factory was a friend of a friend's of a friend's dad sat on um, the board of this factory. And so he connected us. And that guy wanted to help appease his board member. And so he kind of gave us incredible terms. He worked hard to work with us. He actually started coming to meetings with me when we were trying to sell our product. Um, so really going above and beyond. Um, we, from a fashion brand perspective and partnerships, MLB, to your point, come came to us from the uh, initials, the old CFO of Major League Baseball. Uh, MLB was the sponsor of the CommBlock. So I met him through UVA and then actually from my Goldman days. Um, and Jonathan got us in touch with MLB and got us a really great deal where we partner with them and Stand Up to Cancer. Um, And then he actually ended up investing in us as well. So um, you never know who's going to want to invest, uh, which is really cool. Um, Parsons came about through just networking in New York. One of the nice, and you guys all being from Long Island probably know this, but obviously a huge fashion presence in the city. And so just starting to meet people. I cold emailed um, a guy by the name of Morty Singer, uh, who is the CEO of a company called Marvin Traub. Um, and it turned out that he had um, been doing a lot in the cancer space. So I had just Googled top cancer fight, like top cancer in fashion. And he kind of came up as number one. So he and I hit it off. He ended up getting me in touch with Kay Unger, who at the time was the chair of Parsons. Um, she herself is a cancer survivor, so something that was super personal to her. And she kind of just took me under her wing and started uh, helping push us with Parsons and trying to get something that was mutually beneficial for everyone. On um, nurses and doctors, definitely leveraging uh, my family. So my my mom being an anesthesiologist did give me a little bit of a running head start because I could reach out to people who she knew uh, which really helped. And then as we've grown, just more and more people wanting to help. Um, and then lastly, from a patient standpoint and clinician standpoint, in terms of helping design our products, uh, we've actually created an advisory board. We have over 13 people that are advisors for us, many of whom are nurses and doctors who kind of take that clinical knowledge and settings. And then um for patients not being afraid to ask people. So every time we talk to a hospital, asking them for feedback, creating surveys. Now, whenever you buy anything from our website, you actually get a survey sent to you. um, And we incorporate all that feedback in our products each and every day. One thing that I've always said is really important to us is we don't want a final version of anything. We think it's really important to have constant iteration and be continually improving. And so our thought process is how do we make products better is by asking the people that are actually using them. And so I think that that's been really core to our success. And one thing I tell people is if you're buying the same product from us five years from now, then we probably uh, failed you as a partner because we truly want to always be thinking about how can we improve our products and how can we create better products.
0: What what type of data do you collect when you're, you know, when you send out these surveys? Like what types of questions are you are you asking the customers?
1: Yeah. So um we're doing all sorts of questions. So asking uh from simple things like how's the checkout flow, just trying to understand the back end of what we can do there to product specific questions in terms of are we helping meet your needs? Are there things that you want to improve? Uh we like to do both quantitative and qualitative. So on the quantitative giving people up to five answer, like multiple choice options basically and seeing what they choose. That obviously makes data analysis a lot simpler. And then from a qualitative standpoint, always leaving a box or two open where people can provide any additional feedback they have that our team can then manually go through and review and see. Then as we're developing new products, we'll normally go to our existing customer base and ask them if there's anything that they have that they would want us, uh, that they are looking for, and they need, and they require. And um, the team doesn't, it's not just using it to improve products, but also just to even enter a market or create a product. there was, there's been examples of times where we've used it to say, okay, let's do product X over product Y, um, enter market X over market Y, um, and then also just to be able to help um, create kind of things that we may or may not know are needed um, just in terms of hearing feedback from them, et cetera.
2: So going back to um, the networking, mm-hmm. um, obviously sounds like, you're super good at creating networks out of um, people that you have in your own life. But um, how do you go about hiring and what are you looking for in people specifically when you're adding them to your own network? Obviously, um, you're looking for something specific when you need a doctor or you're looking for something specific when you need someone to fill a certain role. But what are just some general qualities that you look for in people?
1: Totally. Um, I think first of all is... I uh, I learned at Goldman, a lot of people are really intelligent. Um, there's some people that you may not want to be working next to at three in the morning. And so one rule we had at Goldman was is this someone that I want to be around at three in the morning if I had to be? Um, And our team can tell you there's very, I'm not even sure if there's been any times in the last few years that we've been up at three in the morning working on something um, unless you're going like for a really early flight or something that you have to wake up at that time. But um, I think it's that, that rule of, is this someone that I want to be around? I think the second is, someone that's hardworking, willing to uh, do whatever it takes. I think there's a lot of people that just want to do one role in a company and that's it. Um, For us, we're still a startup. Uh, I think it's really important to find people that are willing and eager to help each other out. Um, For example, everyone on our team does customer service. I think it's really important as a way to understand what your customer is saying and what they're, um, what they're feeling. Uh, In our case, we have very few customer service tickets, um, but it's still an opportunity for people that might not be in the front lines to see and hear the feedback. A lot of times, the feedback is "Thank you so much. This is amazing." So it. It's a nice little reiteration for the team of um, what we're going through. I think the third piece is attention to detail. I think it's really important when we're trying to help people who are going through a very difficult time to be able to ensure that they um, are getting the best products possible. And the way you do that is by having the strongest attention to detail possible. So really doing whatever you can to avoid um, mistakes and, Make sure that we're whether it's the measurements of the product, how it's marketed to the person, um, how we're selling it, how you receive the package, things like that. I think are all really, really important. And then, lastly, I think is are you a nice person? Our company name is Care and Wear, like there's care in the name of the company, Um, and so we want people that are going to be able to showcase or demonstrate caring uh, throughout for each other as well as for the communities that we're serving.
0: Gotcha, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How many employees do you have uh, now?
1: Yeah, so right now we're a team of eight uh, and we hope to get to 15 pretty quickly. So um, if anyone listening to this is uh, has experience in sales, B2B marketing, uh, product development or finance uh, we are actively hiring uh, and we'd love to get great people to join us
0: awesome yeah. awesome yeah yeah we've, we've talked about that just globally as part of the the podcast vision about connecting guests to each other or guests to listeners if there's any way that there could be you know mutually beneficial relationships so yeah, yeah so thanks for that. saying that yeah <laughs> yeah love it
2: um, I guess another question I have is mm-hmm. that you've been involved in some other startups. How would you say that um, having one now that has more of a social impact has been different from you um, compared to the others? It could be from like a strategy standpoint, but also just how much you enjoy it, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, so in between Goldman and starting Karen, where I was at another startup, um, And it was in the parking industry. I live in New York, I do not own a car. um, And so parking really can only be so meaningful to me. I think uh, what I realized is like at UVA, I was super involved in Madison House, for example, uh, Honor. um, I was an RA uh, and like things like that where caring for others was super important and a big element of it and I think, when I started to think of things that I could do and help people, it's funny because Karenware was actually never a real company idea for me. It was just a no-brainer of, I have friends and family fighting cancer, and this is an opportunity to help them. And it kind of just took off on its own. And um, I think that's what's made it super enjoyable, but it's, Having a social impact is super important to us because we're trying to help people in the community and we felt it was kind of impossible to do that unless we were giving back. So um, whether that's financially, uh, for us as a company, at least 10% of our profits go back to nonprofits. Uh, Whether it's time, uh, we really think it's important to be volunteering in and out of the community, whether it's recognizing the community. I mean, we've often talked about uh, during COVID, one of the benefits was being able to recognize nurses and doctors every day at 7 p.m., um, we would, uh, at least in New York, stand outside our windows and clap our hands. Um, and it's cheesy, but it's really important. And so we as a company, every quarter, uh, have what we call our Karen Wear street team, where the entire company goes on the streets of New York and says thank you to nurses and doctors and staff, um, gives them discount codes. Uh, in May during Nurses Week, we actually were giving a free coffee to everyone in partnership with uh, one of our friends at Wandering Bear. Um, and so I think it, it's really getting involved and giving back. And I think that transparently makes it easier to recruit as well because I think the four of us are not the only people that wanna give back and be involved. Uh, that's a pretty common characteristic of great people. And so it allows us to recruit really awesome people uh, to come join us.
0: Yeah, that's great to be able to curate that that kind of culture and have it you know, permeate outside the company as well. So something that caught my attention when you were talking before about Care and Wear being not a business idea, but just being an idea to help your, your friends and family, how did you think about it going from being like a, a one off project to being a larger element? And how did you decide about whether it would be a nonprofit or a company and then leaving your job to start this? What was that decision making process? Totally. Like?
1: Yeah. Um, so got a nice little head start uh, from Katie Couric. Uh, at the time, she was at ABC and through the UVA network. Um, she actually put us on her show before we even had a product so um, she kind of gave me a head start where I was on the show and I'm like huh someone's got to do this whether it's me or hiring someone uh, to do it instead was uh, super important I think the second was one thing I noticed as I was calling nurses for their feedback was just every single person wanted um Every single person wanted to help. And that was really rare in uh, both at Goldman and then at the startup I had been at. Normally you would get hung up on or people not wanting to talk to you. This was weird when people were calling me back repeatedly. Um, and so that kind of told me something was there. And then as I started talking to my mentors, a bunch of them said, worst case scenario, you try and help people for a year or two. Is that really that bad of a thing? And I was like, no, that's. Like worst case, it's something super fulfilling that I try and fail. Um, And so that was nine years ago. Uh, We're now nine years in, uh, have been able to help millions of people around the world and uh, still a long way to go. Uh, There's a plus billion people uh, that go in and out of hospitals every day. um, And we will never stop until we can help all of them with everything that you're going through.
2: I don't think that there's one way to go about entrepreneurship or really anything in general. Um, I don't really think like in pollers like that, but um, we were talking to Sophie Smith um, a few weeks ago. She was at the Gallant challenge. She was college contact. I don't know if you remember. Her. Yeah. Um, She was saying something very similar to the point that Chapin brought up about how her business came about by mistake. Like she wasn't, she always kind of wanted to be in entrepreneurship that business itself was a complete mistake and she never could have imagined that this was the business that she started and we've kind of been talking a lot about that because we are all interested in starting a business do you think that it's a better way i guess to go about it to not necessarily like think like oh my god i need to start something what is it and instead just kind of let the idea come to you do you think that that's a better way to go about it and if so like do you think that there's a certain lens almost that you should be viewing the world that the ideas are going to come to you? If that makes sense, I don't. I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah,
1: good question. Um, it's funny because similar to Sophie, I did not plan on starting this, but um, like in business school, I tried to start an app where we literally eight guys sat around in a room every day for like I think three months before we came up with an idea. Um, that idea ended up not working out, but I'm not sure that it was because of the idea or the passion that we had for it. Um, I think every person's different. I mean, there's been a lot of people that have said, I want to start a company and come up and made companies that have grown to be rather large or made a lot of money. And so they would argue that they've been very successful in what they wanted to do. And then there's other people that do a company because of... um, the goal or the purpose and the mission and uh, vision of the company. And I would say I'm more of a mission and vision guy. Um, I never planned on being a billionaire, for example, like, don't get me wrong, huge Orioles and Ravens fan. If one day I can own either one of those teams would be thrilled Um, or like be able to donate a lot of money to UVA. I'm sure the comp school loves to hear that. Um, But. like, I think all bad jokes aside, I think it's, you got to do what really motivates you. And so for me, um, I think I always kind of followed the Gandhi quote, as cheesy as this is, of be the change that you wish to see in the world. And I think for me, that was always going to end up being, we call it a for-purpose company. So it's for profit, but profit's not the driving factor. So Um, all of our investors know we always make the best long-term decisions based on what um, is best for our community and for all the clinicians and patients out there. Um, And I think that will always be the driving light for us. And uh, we've been very fortunate to be able to align the company mission and vision around that. And I think that that's something that's really important. And so as long as you're thoughtful and open and transparent on all of that, I think it doesn't necessarily really matter, but you need to figure out what's gonna drive you and what's gonna cause you to wanna see it through. And believe me, there's a lot of long long days, long nights, um, a lot of stress, new stresses each and every day. Uh, we were, we're a company that services the healthcare industry. We obviously just had a massive pandemic Um, being able to help and service our customers and our community was super important to us. And so, um, I think it's, you just got to do what drives you and motivates you.
0: For, for someone out there who, who does want to start something, maybe doesn't have the idea, didn't kind of come to, come to them while they were doing something else like yourself. Like what advice would you have for them? Is it, is it self-reflection? I mean, it seems like your idea came from some sort of like personal pain point, um, like to, how do you, how would you recommend somebody who wants to start something, doesn't have an idea?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's definitely thinking through what are issues that you're seeing and how can you solve it? Um, in the back of your head, you also want to think through, is this something that is going to be sustainable long-term? And I'm trying to quickly think of an idea Um And clearly I'm not good at this, but uh, one example would be, say you decide you want French fries that are between McDonald's and Burger King. So you want to create like the next fast food restaurant that services that. Like, is that a pain point for just you or is that a pain point for a lot of people out there trying to think through what the implications going to be, I think is important. Um, I think as you start to think through investors, is it an investable business? Is it like a VC private equity business, or is it more other types of investors? I think a lot of people get caught up in the, I need to have the coolest names on our cap table, uh, supporting us, investing in us. Um, And that's great. Don't get me wrong, but that's not for every company and not for every idea. And so I think that it's important to recognize that. Um, And then I think it's, what motivates you and what drives you? Like, what are you hoping to accomplish, et cetera? Um, I always tell people it's really good to go to... Uh, like one thing I had that was very fortunate is I got to work for two big firms where I got a lot of training. So um, I hated it because I we used to joke we're like the monkeys as the analysts and the associates in consulting and banking. But you get to learn from a lot of really bright people. You get to see a lot of different issues. You get to see a lot of different scenarios. Um, like at Goldman, I was working on an IPO, fire sale, big m a lot of debt raises all at the same time. And so it's really cool because you get to see companies at different life cycles um, and being able to kind of learn from that, I think was really important. And I think that's enabled me to be a better founder or CEO, um, having had those experiences historically.
2: So was your goal to always, was your goal to always start out at these companies and then leave, or did it kind of just happen naturally?
1: Yeah, they'll probably hate to hear this, but, um, I kind of knew, I mean, candidly as a kid, I always wanted to run a company and build one. Um, I didn't know whether it was gonna be my own startup or joining another company and eventually running it, but that uh, like, well, whenever we played as kids, whenever we were pretending we're like working or something, I always was in charge and always running it. Um, Maybe it's like the older sibling in me, Um, but that was uh, really, really important for us. Um, I think for me though, it was all about, again, going back to uh, just trying to make a difference and using that as my guiding light was kind of um, my biggest, um, my biggest driver.
0: Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. Um, So going back to when you were at Booth and you were saying you would have a, a group of a bunch of guys and go in and try and think of ideas, what was it about Was there anything about that experience in particular that was illuminating besides the business experience itself, even if it didn't exactly pan out? Like what what was special about that? And even just if you want to talk about business school as a whole. Totally.
1: Um, I mean, business school is an amazing, amazing experience. We could probably talk for about 5 billion hours on that alone. Uh, But like as it relates to startups, I think it taught me a lot of lessons, um, First of all, we ended up being four guys starting the company. All four of us had very similar backgrounds. And um, so like we created a mobile app and no one on our team knew how to code. Um, I realized it was really important that you have the core skill of what your company claims to do in-house. And that was always gonna be impossible. Like None of the four of us knew how to code. Um, The second was making sure that you find people that have the same motivations and desires. Um, We had some people that were all in, some people that were not. uh, And I think that that was really important. Third, uh, we all had equal ownership and we idiotically decided that we needed unanimous consent on everything. Um, And so there were times when one guy would just disagree just to be a pain. Uh, and disagree and that would cause a lot of wasted time. And so when I decided to go move forward with Karen where I kind of came up with the, and I hate, uh, our team will tell you I hate making decisions, but at the end of the day, um, we need to make decisions and sometimes I just need to make it and we go with that and move on. And so having that ultimate decision-making authority was really, really important. Um, And it has worked out in cases, it hasn't worked out in cases, I mean, that's debatable, but more importantly, we're not spending too much time overanalyzing or overthinking any one specific thing. Um, And then I think it was really important to just go through, um, like, similarly with strategy and roles, like understanding that it's really important to find people that are really good at what they do and what their role is. So like, I need a marketing expert that understands marketing. I need a product expert that understands product. I need a sales expert that understands sales and operations expert, blah, blah, blah. Um, And I think that that's been really, really important uh, as well. Um, In business school, we actually had a class that every class session was a new quarter in the company and the professor would basically create a new problem for you and so that gave us a really it allowed me to start to think higher level and more strategically as you're in the weeds and going through things and i think that that's really important to plan and prepare for so i would say like it was the best class i view it as like a class that i took basically of trying to build a startup over a year and a half while in business school of uh, just learning things that don't work, learning things that work, et cetera. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that. We're, and were the four of you friends before you started the business?
1: Yeah, I mean, we none of us had known each other before we got to business school, but uh, two of the four of us lived together uh, during the two years of business school. And then the other two, were we were all in the same little area, I guess, in Chicago. And became friends and uh, still still in touch with all of them, et cetera. Gotcha.
2: you said that the four, you came from similar backgrounds. Do you think that that all that 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 at all played um into why it didn't work out? Yeah, I
1: think it's um, it was not great that all four of us had the same backgrounds. Okay. Uh, I think looking back on it it really eliminated diversity in opinion and thought. Um, And I know earlier I was lamenting about like unanimous decision making, but it also, I think the reason we even thought that made sense was because we all came from a similar background where oftentimes we were saying the same things. Um, And I think looking back on it, it would have been smart to have people from a variety of backgrounds and experiences.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So so you were talking about how whatever your core competency has to be in-house, right? So Going into care and wear, had you had any experience with designing these sorts of uh, garments, or how did you go about getting that core competency in-house as quickly as possible?
1: Yeah, I did not. Um, So it's funny that I said that, and then I immediately did not follow (laughs) that. Um, But what I did instead is brought people in around me. So that was where I created that advisory board. I had friends that understood that world. Um, Like, for example, in marketing, had a friend who uh, was really like a big brand consultant for one of the big agencies. um, Help us as we started to build out our brand uh, from a production standpoint, had people that had worked in fashion before get involved pretty early on and help me design and develop things. Um, And look, we still made plenty of mistakes. It took us a year to develop our first product. I think we went through 12 iterations of our uh, PIC line cover before it was ready to come out to market. So even following this still created a lot of hiccups uh, in the process. Um, But it definitely enabled us to be much better prepared than um, kind of not. And I think it was just talking, again, networking and talking to as many people as possible um, that I could to just learn from them and learn from their experiences and all of that.
0: And what was that year like before you had the product out, but you were working on that? What was kind of the mindset and the overall tone of that, that piece? Was it kind of, we have to get something out. We want to make sure that's perfect. Or was it a longer runway to get there?
1: It was definitely a longer runway. We didn't raise money till we had the actual prototype finalized and all of that. So there was that pressure of living in New York without a salary for basically a year. Um, And so ate a lot of ramen, I guess. Um, But um, I think it was also like having a plan in action and knowing that there's a plan in place uh, was super important. And then just having plans as to like what I, how we were gonna move forward, what we were gonna do, et cetera, um, I think was really, really important.
0: So what's 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 changed since then? Like, what what are the issues now? What are the focuses now? Plans for the future? Anything like that?
1: Yeah, um, it's a great question. I'd say in terms of what's changed, I think it's funny because when you're first starting out, you're like, I don't know how this could get any harder. Uh, We have like we don't know what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. And then it gets bigger and now it's, hey, we're signing all these great contracts. Now it's all about implementation and execution of them. It's finding, we're moving offices next month, like finding the right office, um, getting the right people to join the team uh, as you grow you're not necessarily involved in the nitty gritty details of everything. And so letting go is super important and finding people that you trust to let go too, I think is really important. Um, Having to um, also think through like, okay, what's the long-term vision? I think for me, from day one, the long-term vision was to help each and every person, but that was less believable than now, when we have a number of products out on the market, we're helping both patients and clinicians. Um, It's easier for people to understand that pitch because we're now doing it. And so I think that that's definitely helped, but uh, still got a long way to go for sure. Um, As I said, we're still only eight people. We plan to get to 30 by the end of the year, so growing pretty quickly. Um, but, uh, I think it's being smart about it and making, again, making sure that you're growing in the right way.
0: Gotcha. And to that point, a question that we've been trying to ask each guest to, to kind of wrap up the podcast is how, how do you define success? And that can be in terms of you personally or the company. And oftentimes it's interesting to see how those two mesh with one another. So how how do you define success?
1: Yeah, I think success for me is kind of how do you create a company that's helping as many people as possible around the world? So helping them with their products, but not just the products. I always tell people if we get to a point where we're making a billion units a year and um, we're selling those, obviously very big company, but that's to me is not successful unless we're also helping people with what they're going through. When you think about patients and um, any sort of scenario that they might be having, giving them the needed necessary support uh, and letting them know that they're not alone. So the same thing on the clinician side, when you think about, COVID and all the burnout that you read and hear about each and every day uh, from clinicians, letting them know that they're not alone and that we're here to help and support them. From an internal company standpoint, it's creating an organization where people can grow, uh, where people have the opportunity to take on different roles, different responsibilities, and really demonstrate success. I think there is really important. Um, And then lastly, it's just all about making an impact in the world and doing whatever we can uh, to help each and every person.
2: That's awesome. Um, I guess last thing to kind of keep on the theme of learning out loud. um, We just want to hear if you have any feedback for us.
1: Yeah. um, No, I think it's great. This is really cool. It's pretty impressive what you guys are doing. Um, The questions are all great. Um, I think it's uh, yeah, I think this has been great. Awesome.
2: All right. Thank awesome. You. Thank
1: you.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Was there anything else that, that you wanted to add or have people know about We're you know, we're happy to put in anything about and where people will definitely put a link. People can check it out. Hopefully none of the listeners need it, but if they do, then we can. Yeah. Work. It's a
1: weird, it's a weird company where you wish that no one needed your products. Right. Um, I would say the only thing else I would say is, um, for anyone that, whether they need a product, have ideas for us, or want to join our team, definitely go to uh, www.careandwear.com and then follow us on social media. Uh, we're at Care and Wear on um, literally all social channels, uh, including, I guess, Threads, which obviously just launched yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're always looking to do whatever we can to help as many people as possible, and um finally and lastly, I'd say Wahoo Wah, who's um yeah. Uh-huh.